Welcome to Four Quarter Lives, a podcast exploring the profound impact of longer, healthier, and more engaged lives, not only for ourselves and our couples, but also for companies and countries. I'm Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and on this week's Four Quarter Lives, I talk with the head of Schneider Electric's Future Ready program. This French-based energy multinational employs 150,000 people across over 115 countries. When it discovered that its 51-plus employees, what I call Q3, weren't as motivated and engaged as the rest, they were determined to fix it, especially given the talent wars they felt pressing on their business needs every day. Unlike many of their corporate counterparts, they've designed a structured global program to re-engage employees, whatever their age and stage. Michael Fawcett shares why and how they did it. Michael, welcome to Four Quarter Lives. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Lou. So I want to set a little bit of a context for our conversation, which is the name of your program, Future Ready, which launched in 2021. And what were the main ideas behind its launch? First, there is a kind of commitment that we would like to give to any Schneider employee is the ability for anyone to project is her desirable professional future and to be supported to make it happen, to be supported by the employer to make it happen. The second main idea is about more a fact that we see the lack of talent, the difficulty to recruit. And here I'm not only talking about Schneider Electric, but our whole ecosystem and even larger than, than that, we are missing talents and this will be more and more difficult in the coming years. We'll probably come back to that. And at the same time, we have millions of people excluded from job or education markets or not used at their full potential. That's where the senior talent topic is entering into the, the picture. So we think in Schneider that we can probably play a bit on one of the topics to solve the other one. Yeah, so two sides of the flip coin. One is individuals' ability to plan and project and have some kind of hope for their own career future. And the other, the organization's desperate needs for talent and getting a little bit increasingly stretched in some of the talent wars you're seeing emerging. That sounds like a pretty smart idea, and yet not too many companies have yet embarked on that. So the context of your program was to be ready for these talent wars that you already feel coming. What are you preparing for and how are you thinking about it? And where did this proof or pressure about talent wars first emerge? I think it's something that we all feel as HR leaders or HR professionals in different companies and different geographies, we have difficulties to recruit, to attract, and after to retain. There are some surveys about this topic. There is one from uh, Confery, which is uh, mentioning a talent crunch and which is predicting a shortfall of 100 million people in the workforce by 2030. So After tomorrow is 100 million uh, people. Wow. In the 20, if I remember correctly, uh, the 20 uh, men economies, uh, which means at global level, it's even uh, uh, it's even more. And the reason for that is mostly coming from the demographics. 
we are entering in an era where uh, we'll have an aging population. I think you are well aware about, uh, about this, but this has an impact on the, the active workforce and potentially a huge uh, business impact. In this uh, survey, they are mentioning an impact of uh, 8.5 trillion of dollars, which is basically the business you are not doing because uh, you need somebody to fulfill uh, the job. So, so it's approximately uh, 100,000 dollars uh, for each missing job. And if I go to very concrete examples, you have an article from the Wall Street Journal uh, earlier this year mentioning that we are missing electricians in the U.S., to contribute, among other things, to the energy transition that we all want to operate, especially when we are called uh, Schneider Electric. So, so we think that there is really something concrete already happening and that will become worse in the very coming years if we are not acting on this topic. That's some pretty dramatic numbers, 100 million people missing from the workforce by 2030. And an interesting number I haven't heard yet, $100,000 in lost business for every talent you can't actually fulfill. That's a big cost. So before we get into the meat of this argument, tell me a little bit about you, about your background, and how did you come into this role at this time? First, I think I can say... I'm a Schneider baby. I started there 18 years ago. Most of my career has been made in the HR field with different positions in shared services as HR business partner, part also the HR analytics function at some stage in different geographies for different scopes and types of business in Schneider, R&D, sales, or more recently, uh, the supply chain, the manufacturing piece. And uh, recently, two years ago, I wanted uh, maybe to take a less operational uh, job after having been uh, in HR for the supply chain in Europe during the COVID crisis, so something very operational. I, I wanted to, to have an impact on the topic and which would be close to my uh, values, and that's why I joined the corporate citizenship uh, team to work on this Future Ready program. Uh, which is, as you can perceive, very close to uh, HR topic also. And a little longer term horizon than I can imagine the COVID crisis was. So the first axis for the Future Ready program is this focus on senior talent. And it came because of a survey that you did of your 50,000 employees, and it yielded some surprising findings. Can you share what you discovered? So, so they were Two surveys, in fact, we have the normal annual survey that many companies have, the engagement survey, which is addressed to the 150,000 employees. And in this part, we saw that the level of engagement for the 51 plus was significantly lower than the average of the company. We, we talk about four or five points below, which means even more if we exclude this population from the average calculation. So we wonder why we are having uh, that number. And we organized also more specific survey on what we call the car conversation, the development link to the, the car conversation you are having, where 50,000 employees from all ages answered. And yes, also in this part, we were, uh, I don't know if it was surprised, but maybe it was uh, confirming some, uh, some hypothesis, 
uh, that this population was having less discussion about their career and discussion with lower quality, meaning uh, more discussing about the next Excel uh, training they will do in the next two months and not projecting themselves about what will I do in the next 10 years and at the end, how do I make the last 10, 15, whatever years of my career as fulfilling as the first one or the ones in the middle. I'm curious that the number or the age that emerged as the flip point of this lack of engagement was 51, not 50, not 55. 51 is a category we take, we have age bounds in, in our survey, but where you're right is that something is happening at 50. We saw, for instance, we see, for instance, a decline in the career conversation starting earlier. But it's very progressive at uh, 45. Uh, the decrease is very uh, low, but between 50 and 60, there is a real drop. And funny enough, if we can say, it's increasing slightly above 60, maybe because we are asking people, okay, what are you doing now? And uh, maybe you will be leaving the company uh, soon, so we need to discuss that. So really the lowest, and it's uh, more than 15 points difference between 50 and 60. So a real decade of focus. And when you say a lack of quality in the conversation, aside from this idea of short-sightedness, that they're no longer talking about long-term planning, is there any other anecdotal report of what's happening in these conversations? Are they basically just writing these people off and not curious at all about dreams, plans, visions, needs? So first, there is a specific question about was this discussion focused on the short term or mid-long term? And we see a clear uh, clear difference. Then, yes, it's about the topics which are covered. We are more mentioning short-term development, trainings, or really the real immediate next step, and not what are the aspirations, what do I want to do in five or even longer term, and how do I get there? how the company can support me to develop what I miss, to be in this future position. So, so that's why we are mentioning a lower quality of the conversation in comparison to the early career or the mid-career. This must differ a little bit around the world and across cultures. So, so give us a little bit of a picture. Schneider Electric is a huge global business. You have 150,000 employees spread across the world. What percentage of them are 51 and over? And how do these issues differ? What are some of the different countries who may be in very different stages in terms of embarking on this engagement with the longevity and future-ready issues? For this population, overall, we are mentioning a population close to uh, 30,000 uh, employees, among those uh, 150, so uh, I would say a significant portion of our employees. Yeah, what would differ, and, and you know it, is that across geographies, is that the reference to retirement, and to uh, senior in general would be very culturally uh, positive or even uh, legally, if we mention uh, the retirement age, uh, between some countries where the retirement age is still relatively uh, early, I would say, like in China, like in, in India, versus other countries where it's postponed now year after year. And even in France, it happened recently that, uh, that we will work a bit uh, longer. So you have countries that are now not very far from 70 as the retirement age, and some countries 
uh, I'm thinking to uh, the US, I'm thinking uh, to uh, UK, where there is no legal retirement age, which change completely the way you discuss the topic of career with uh, what we call the senior talent. How much knowledge and expertise do these 30,000 people represent? Do you measure it? How do you measure it? And how do you transfer it over to subsequent generations? How do you plan for that? There are some elements we measure. One of them, we looked at the 4,000 people who, who left because retiring the company in, uh, in the last two years. And we realized that more than half of them had more than 30 years of tenure in the company. I would say by definition, this category is concentrating a big portion of our expertise. And to be clear, our business in Schneider is knowing our customer, uh, knowing their needs, knowing our products and the technologies that are inside and the functionalities, or the combining those products to create solutions for our customers. So missing this knowledge, it's also a critical business topic for us to make sure that whatever time when these people would leave the organization, we will keep uh, the expertise within. And I would say in terms of transfer, that's part of the senior talent program to work on the knowledge transfer uh, methodologies that we made available and that we uh, promote within the company, making sure that this transfer is happening, which was not necessarily the case in the past. And there are some uh, entities where I heard there are things that we do not know how to do anymore. And we knew it five or ten years ago. So, for example? So, I mean, what kind of... Well, for example, um, I on uh, electromechanical uh, design for some of our products, we didn't know how it was working <laughs> anymore. And because we know that the expert mastering it left without transferring the knowledge, but it can be at a R&D uh, engineer level. It can be uh, on the production line, somebody know, having the know-how on this machine, how it works, where it doesn't work, uh, why it doesn't work uh, sometimes. And there are some... Uh, simple uh, things to do on the machine, but if you do not say it or show it, uh, it's more showing, by the way, than saying it to your successor, maybe we lose productivity on this machine. And this is a real case that happens uh, still frequently. A massive sort of brain drain that nobody's really been thinking about is the one at the end of careers walking out the door. Do you actually now measure and track how many people and what percentage of your people are within 10 years of retirement to start yeah, them in the process? A difficult exercise for the other companies listening to us today. It's a difficult exercise for the reason I mentioned. Legal age would be different from one country to the other, with some obligation or not, some yeah. will have no legal edge. So, so we have to take hypothesis country by country. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is necessarily an estimate and not uh, the, yeah. real, the real truth, but we estimate that between 20 and 25% of our workforce would be leaving the company in the next 10 years. So that's something we try to measure with, as I mentioned, a minimum of hypothesis, and it's even much more in our, what we call, uh, top 1,000, so our top uh, uh, leaders, it, it's close to 40% that would be living in, in the next 10 years. And that's probably true in a lot of companies, right? That almost a quarter I, I of did, the talent's going out the door, and 40% of your top 1,000, that's an astonishing statistic. So 
Let's dig a little bit into what Schneider Electric is doing around this topic. You started in 2021 with a key driver to improve engagement for the over 51s. What were they complaining about and what are their priorities? What have they asked you to pay more attention to? They want the, the same as the other talent. <laughs> it seems simple, but actually that's apparently not what we were, uh, we were doing. They want to express what they want to do. They want to have some uh, career opportunities. They want to have possibilities to grow by uh, getting the necessary uh, trainings, coaching, or uh, mentoring to reach their career aspirations. So, in fact, they were telling us, you are doing a lot for early careers, and that's great. And they are not opposed to uh, to that, but we would like to get the same. <laughs> and to have, uh, uh, to have those... Uh, those card possibilities uh, offered to us also and having uh, the same uh, level, let's say, of uh, mobility, promotion than for the rest of the population. So that was simply uh, the message. And when we launched the program, we, we received a lot of, uh, at least it's a very positive sign that Schneider is engaging in this direction to make sure that we support, in fact, all generations and not only one or, or the other. So a bit of a surprise that you're balancing out and not just focusing on the youth of the company, but also at the other end of the spectrum, who just want to be treated as they always have been, I suppose. So in doing this, you develop some personas to represent the diversity of profiles among your own Q3 employees. What are they? And did any of them surprise you? Yeah, and the idea was really to change the mindset, which is probably the most difficult thing to do. Always the most difficult thing to do. Yeah, with this, uh, like many others, but particularly on this, uh, on this uh, culturally sensitive uh, program. In fact, for many, the vision of the senior was he or she is projecting uh, retirement and the transition to, uh, to retirement, which is, by the way, one of the personal. Right. And there is nothing wrong with the fact of projecting and preparing the transition to retirement. But is it the only thing that professional is doing in the last 10, 50 years of career? We do not think so. And that's why we developed by uh, simply having interviews huh, uh, with uh, senior talents to build another possibility than, uh, than this one. And the, so the different personas that we are having now, there are four. One is willing to continue or her career at a, at a similar level, which doesn't mean in the same job. So, so it may include uh, mobilities, but more on a transversal uh, manner. The second one, and this we heard it a lot, maybe more than what I was uh, expecting, is the willingness to transmit uh, knowledge, to transfer, to uh, tell to uh, younger uh, generation what they have learned and how it can be uh, useful with the uh, sense also of uh, being recognized into what they know and the fact that they are uh, sharing this uh, knowledge with uh, a master of their craft who wants to mentor exactly. the next generation. Yep. Exactly. And the last one, which was perhaps more uh, surprising, or at least it's not coming as a, an obvious thing when we presented it, is a person willing to accelerate in the career. I want to go to the next stage to the next level, I want to take the equivalent of the job of my boss. And that's something which was not at all, for instance, shared in uh, talent reviews, the situation of, okay, maybe uh, the person uh, has the kids uh, 
outside home now. Uh, we left home, lot of time and energy. I think that the current 50, uh, 60 is not the one that we had 40 years ago. So they are full of energy and yeah, they have time and energy to move to the next step of their uh, career and to the next level. And this was a persona which was, I think, not at all considered uh, in the past. So these four personas retire, continue, transmit or accelerate. I'm curious if there are any gender differences in those. Perhaps I have a theory that many women want to accelerate in Q3. Did your personas or measurements reflect any oui. gender differences? We actually the persona we use try this persona is a lady, <laughs> but uh, no, so far we did not uh, perceive a gender difference, but there may be one because uh, women's history in professional ca in career is different, and maybe there is a willing, more this willingness to accelerate, but I cannot say we measured it uh, so far. We'll come back for that data when you've amassed a few more years. So you started with pilots that you've been rolling out throughout this year, in 2023, a bit by wave. I think you've hit France, India, China, and Germany, so large countries which must have substantial differences in their attitudes to these things. You discovered the importance of the narrative being told and how careful you have to be about how you present. Tell us a little bit about the unexpected reactions you got. Yeah. The pilot actually started back in 21 with different entities, and those ones were among them, but 12 entities in total. And what was decided in 23 is the global deployment of this program with the willingness to deploy in full Schneider Electric by the end of 25 and start by WAVE. And you mentioned the WAVE 1, France, India, China, and, and Germany. What we discovered through this pilot is when we were inviting the senior talent we were that we are mentioning here in a career development workshop, for instance, half of them, the first feeling was fear. A fear of uh, layoff, a fear of uh, an individual discussion about will you be leaving the company or can we uh, help you to leave the company? So the first reaction for half of the people was fear. And that's why from the pilot, uh, we really uh, had the, the lesson learned that the narrative, how we promote the program before engaging any uh, workshop, uh, really uh, key, and, and we had to show uh, that the program was, uh, in fact, having a positive objective of having an open discussion on uh, on the career to come, uh, whatever the operations uh, would be. So, and also, we mentioned it already a bit, but the need to adapt uh, to local culture norms and words. So, for instance, we had a long discussion about senior talent. Is it the right wording? And I know that the, the word acceptance is not the same in, in France, in, in the US. For instance, so for this, we leave the freedom to the territory to mention experienced uh, talent, uh, to mention a Q3, uh, why not, in their local adaptation of the program as long, and this we measure it, as long as they deploy something for benefiting to this category of the population. 
So it has to remain very targeted, but how they communicate it and the words they use can be adapted to local cultural expectations with the recognition that the word senior is increasingly embattled in many countries. I think fewer and fewer people around the world want to be considered senior. So I find this fascinating. And for all the companies listening so that they can avoid this fear reaction of a very ageist world being kind of expected as companies are rolling out things that they're well-meaningly calling something that doesn't land the way they expected. What would you recommend companies do? And you say they have to be very careful before they do anything at all in launching it right. Would you have a couple of suggestions? It's first to mention the intent of the program, uh, which is not a mass layoff. Yes, we are not firing you. This is not what this is about. Really, but yeah, being uh, explicit about what is the program about, what are uh, some initiatives part of the program so that people can see, okay, if I'm willing to transition to retirement, and again, that's perfectly uh, fine, but there will be uh, some elements, but also if I want to accelerate, if I want to continue in my current job for the next, Decade, that's something that can be discussed openly. And really, the idea is that we will be supporting you in making your career fitting with your aspiration and not having, let's say, the, the fear of the last part of your uh, career. It's very interesting because you really have to educate not only organizations and managers, but individuals themselves who may never have thought that they could accelerate or continue. So I love your four personas in that they themselves are like a mini education, that those alternatives and options actually exist. Because it's always difficult to chicken and egg. Uh, is it because the company is not offering me enough or is it because I'm not candidate in the job that I'm not having this, uh, this position at the end? And that's one of the messages we pass and, and we see it. Huh? We can measure that there is less candidatures to, uh, to some open position with the person telling us, uh, no, but they will never take uh, somebody like me uh, on this, uh, uh, this job. Yes, but not being candidate is the best way not to get the job. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. Right. It's also uh, an overall uh, raising awareness overall across our employees about those, those attitudes. How do you do that? How are you shifting the mindsets, the stereotypes? How are you doing that in a global context with so many different cultural norms? What's the process been? You mentioned it, but I think the, the personas are contributing to it. And what we try to do is to have a presentation of the program where you have some initiatives which are common to the different uh, personas. For instance, the health check. Health is a topic that came quite often uh, frequently in the discussion or uh, having a better view on my financial conditions for retirement, having access to a platform and to a consultant giving me uh, this, uh, uh, this insight and some yep. uh, which are more specific to, uh, to one or the other of the uh, persona. So I will uh, mention progressive retirement, uh, part-time for the one uh, willing to uh, transition, but upskilling, eventually reskilling for the one uh, willing uh, to uh, continue at the same uh, level, leadership program, manager program for the one willing to uh, accelerate, or it can be uh, the knowledge transfer methodology, the mentoring for the one uh, willing to transmit. So trying to show to people concrete examples of initiatives they can benefit of 
depending what their aspirations are, then we are trying to train both, it's important, both employees and managers to the career discussion. We yes. are, and that's one criteria we impose to all, all territories. They have to have those training offered to employees and managers because if you just, uh, let's say, for the, the discussion, it can be a kind of a five minutes action. What do you want to do? Ah, okay. End of the discussion. Here, we try to make it meaningful with all the opportunities, the available opportunities that we can propose and the way to engage this discussion, both for the employee and for the manager. Another way to change mindset is to have specific workshop targeting this population to build their, their career aspiration or their career to have at the end a solid career plan. And many told us, ah, that's, uh, that was very useful and through this, I managed to express properly what I want to do and with whom I need to engage to make it happen or what I need to complete before uh, before being able to take the job. I'm just regretting not having it at an earlier stage in my career. So even now, we are thinking how we could anticipate a bit those kind of discussion. And there is one last thing that I really believe in it is role models, testimonies. Something happened to me, it can happen to you also in your career and, and making visible Uh, those role models and testimonies is something we work on also from a communication standpoint. You can't be what you can't see is the famous formula. So on this, we find a lot of similarities with what happened on the gender topic uh, probably a few years ago. I see many things uh, common on this topic. I couldn't agree more. I feel like I'm living a huge déjà vu in working on eight. You could almost always replace the word age by the word gender, and you're going to be along the same lines, the training, the preparation, the mindset shifting. It's a cultural shift, isn't it? A massive one. And I'm curious, I know it's early days yet in your rollout, and I'd love to turn to some of the lessons that you're picking up from this wave one, as you call it. And the first, is there a numbers game between your four archetypes? How many people? Is there one that dominates? Do most people fit into any of those categories? Or are you seeing a relatively even balance across the four? First, the idea, we aren't asking people to self-declare themselves because we don't want to go from a situation where people are put in a box to another one where we limit them in one of the boxes, even if there are more boxes. Because I think it can be fluid First, with your personal evolution, you can move from one to another at some stage. Typically, uh, you can be willing to accelerate and at some stage, think Absolutely. about yep. positioning to retirement. Or you can uh, feel that some initiatives, uh, maybe you are more in the transferring knowledge uh, area, but some of the initiatives linked to uh, continuing can be appealing to you also. But overall... I would say that a majority of people are willing to continue in their job. Then it's balanced between the one willing to accelerate, the one willing to transfer knowledge, to share knowledge, and the one willing to transition. I mean, the message to take away is the majority of people over 50 are pretty set on continuing, which is interesting with some adaptations over time. With this idea that it's not necessarily in the same job, but, uh, but can imply the mobilities, upskilling, promotions, in terms of salary, etc. 
they want to continue as though they weren't over 50, <laughs> as though they were at any other age or stage. It brings us to a pretty political hot button issue, which is, of course, the issue of retirement age. And as you've said, this is massively different from China, where people retire very early to the Anglo-Saxon countries that have eliminated the number. As a company, how do you balance and manage these tensions across zones and divisions? And people must be watching each other across the organization. First, we need to acknowledge uh, as a company that we can't do a lot concerning what governments yeah. are, are deciding. So uh, just to take uh, our example here in France, uh, we are not really in agreement with uh, the recent changes, but it happens. And what we see as a company, and, and I think maybe we have a role in terms of pedagogy in explaining that this aging uh, population overall uh, in, in the world shows that what we know for sure that retirement age is going up everywhere. And, and that's something we can probably uh, explain uh, a bit more. It's never going down. Uh, we never saw it in the recent year. So, so what we can do uh, is to anticipate and prepare our employees to this already uh, current or coming reality. Pedagogy is number one here. But I'm curious, you say it's one of the most sensitive topics in HR. Why and how do you experience that? First, because as I mentioned, there is a, a lot of cultural sensitivity on this topic. Uh, the second element is that in some uh, big geographies, we are used, and I'm thinking to Europe, for instance, we were used for decades to unemployment and early retirement mentalities that finally it was acceptable to have the senior population uh, living earlier to leave space because we were missing jobs. Yeah. And in this situation, okay, why not paying somebody to go uh, earlier on uh, on retirement? And we have been in this planning for many years and it was not said, but socially accepted to reduce senior employment, to give space to younger, to younger uh, people. Generation. So many senior tenants themselves are asking for uh, the next plan to leave the company or the next pre-retirement scheme. So changing this planning will take time. And, and we know that even if this trend will uh, last for decades, huh, of uh, aging world, retirement age uh, being uh, regularly uh, postponed, we will have this uh, for a short period of time uh, with up and downs, it will come back. Like, hey, but why not a new pre-retirement uh, scheme to go through these uh, difficulties that we'll have for the next uh, one year or 18 months? So changing this planning, I think, will uh, will take time because it was a bit the easy way to manage the things. And it was a long, long time. So yes, a very sudden global shift from a time of high unemployment and lots of early retirement and trying to get older people out of the workforce. And now all of a sudden, really kind of post-pandemic, it almost feels like, of a sudden realization that no, we actually need to keep these people in and that retirement ages are set for probably a good bit of the rest of our lives, Michael, to be increasing. We're getting to the end of our time and I just want to wonder, this is a, an extraordinary journey, I'm sure, for you to be watching at, our, at your age and stage. And I'm curious what some of the reactions that you've had, what are people saying and what have you personally learned from this project? What's most surprised or delighted or horrified you from rolling this kind of exercise out? 
first, what was uh, positive to me, uh, co-leading this program with my uh, HR colleagues, is the reaction uh, from the main people uh, involved. So, so our senior team saying, at least you are, uh, this company is doing something about us and not only uh, for young people, not only for women. So we feel included. And some said only the fact that there is a program, even if there was nothing inside, which hopefully is not the case, but just mentioning this program is a positive signal. So that was the... At the, last, somebody's paying attention to us. Exactly. Yeah. And personally, I learned how to move from a vague idea or conviction based on facts to a structured global program, which was a, a learning for me. I also, I mentioned it, but also realized the importance of the narrative. And there is a thin difference between the narrative and the marketing. It's not purely marketing. It's something we need to tell to the people for them to be engaged in the program we are, we are offering. Then, maybe on disappointment, I don't know if it's surprised, but still, I'm sometimes still surprised by the fact that some leaders, I have to say it uh, not loud, but including in HR, are sometimes not feeling yet the sense of urgency on this topic. And I am, of course, delighted, which happened more and more frequently uh, in the past months, when the country, an entity, is providing us with a local program going beyond our expectation at a global level or bringing new ideas that we never uh, thought of. So that's where, uh, of course, I feel uh, the most energized. An example? What's been the latest country to come knocking? <laughs> we have some countries uh, that came to us uh, with a post-retirement employment scheme. So with the possibility for uh, people uh, who are living or who have left the company to be employed again under uh, different forms of contracts, uh, types of contracts, in order to work again for uh, Schneider Electric. And, and we were thinking about uh, keeping our talents to the retirement in the moment and they, they want to retire. But we are now even looking beyond retirement and how uh, we still engage with them in, uh, after their retirement. You're going to do like universities. It'll be emeritus employees who never really leave a lifelong relationship with your uh, wonderful. Michael, thank you so much. I think that was a fascinating conversation that will interest more than one company listening. I am leaving with these ideas of these archetypes of retiring, but three options of continuing, transmitting, and accelerating. If I had to guess, which one would you think you might become? Well, for the moment, <laughs> we'll be continuing for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and I can accelerate. From one accelerator to another, thank you very, very much for your time and insights and good luck with uh, your future readiness. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, everyone. For more thinking about the impact of our four quarter lives, you can read my column at Forbes and subscribe to my Elderberries newsletter on Substack. Let's design lives that aren't just longer, but better. <laughs>